I'm Jared Bias, and this is How to Disagree, a mini-series based on my book, Love Matters More, where we explore the question, how do we love people well when we disagree about important things? Welcome to this special episode of How to Disagree, where we pull back the curtain and look inside the Bias household today. I've asked my wife, Sarah, to join me and asked is maybe a euphemism, maybe cajoled is better. In any case, I was so grateful she agreed. We are total opposites in many ways, and yet so aligned and connected in what I think are the more important, deeper ways. We started by talking about our families of origin and how we grew up with conflict and disagreement in our family systems, and then moved to our early marriage, and talk about how we have disagreements now as a family. So thanks again to Sarah for openness and vulnerability. Hope others find it helpful to hear about the processes we've gone through to have better relationships and more honest family conversations over the years. Well, welcome, Sarah, back to being on a podcast with me. How do you feel about that? Mm, fine right now. I was nervous <laughs> a few days ago thinking about it. But Okay, so as I mentioned in the intro, we're going to talk about our relationship where we disagreed in our parenting early on and talk about like how do we have disagreements as a family now. So first of all, I think it's helpful to get a little context. So what narrative did you grow up with around conflict and disagreement? Like what were you explicitly or Im- implicitly taught about that growing up? I think a lot of what I was taught was implicit or a lot of what I absorbed was implicit. I was very aware from an early age that I was wrong and bad and sinful, I guess. And that the authority was always right, whoever that authority was in my life. Mm -hmm. My parents, my teachers, the pastors, my babysitters, the adult babysitters, not the teenage ones. (laughs) So there was a clear line of uh, adults. Yeah. All right. Well, because the way they engaged with me, the way that I experienced their engagement with me, I don't know that they knew how I was experiencing it, but like my sister's were a lot older so they would babysit me a lot and I could feel the difference of like there's space to have a conversation about things where with an adult I don't know if it was that every adult portrayed that or I just assumed it because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was whether I was taught to obey adults or I don't know that's I just knew from an early age that's what had to happen so what did conflict or disagreement mean like what were the the value judgments that would have been placed on that well I think we've talked about my family doesn't do conflict well we didn't i don't know if you'd say that you've experienced my family doing conflict at this point i feel like most of them are still pretty uncomfortable with it besides maybe my mom i feel like she's okay with stepping into it but the rest of us it's like yeah like what we were talking about last night it's like you don't say what you want unless you really really want it so only the person who really really wants that Mm Like the restaurant choice or only the person who really wants it is going to speak up. Mm -hmm. Right. So if it wasn't that like super important to you, like this like core deep feeling that you you needed it. Like a deep conviction. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Then you didn't speak up. Right. So it was wrapped in your larger family's communication style, which is we just don't really talk in general about our feelings or what we want. So if someone does... We don't argue with him. Like, there's not conflict about that because it's clearly something that's of deep conviction. Yeah. And the rest of us just need to go along. We right. just would because it's like, well, yeah, we just don't talk about conflict. You express when you're happy. We did that. Mm-hmm. And love, like, we give hugs. Like, 
but anger and or disapproval di- yeah disagreement mm-hmm. yeah you just didn't really ever talk about it you don't say I like i don't I'm, like this i don't want to not do as this. a kid no never not, i didn't do that with friends hmm. but the, i think that's probably a lot of my personality i think my older sisters probably i don't know they'd have to say for themselves I think that they maybe did that a little bit more with some people in their lives, but maybe not. Mm-hmm. I do feel like I was the only kid who like was kind of easy on my mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like my other sisters didn't necessarily care about cleaning up their room, but that was just because I liked my room that way. I wasn't trying to make it easy on my parents. I was just like, right. I, that's how I wanted it. Mm-hmm. So. So let's contrast that kind of with my upbringing. Cause then when we yeah. get married, we're like bringing conflict styles together. So my family, we were pretty loud and everyone shared their opinion pretty much all the time. There wasn't sort of anything off limits. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't like something, you said it, mm-hmm. you know, it didn't really matter. And we were more on the, we have to ask forgiveness because we hurt each other's feelings more often yeah. than we, then we don't communicate because we're afraid of hurting each other's feelings. Sort of, we just stepped over the line and we're like, oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot more anger. So we also like more prone to outbursts and yeah. tempers and that kind of thing. So things were said. Although I would say, I don't remember a lot of things being said that were, I mean, my parents may be in their fights, but there weren't a lot of things said that were regrettable. Like, I just know some people, they get really emotional and they say things they don't really mean. Yeah. For us, it was more like kind of like alcohol. Like when we got mad, we just said things we really did think mm-hmm. and it sort of came out then. And maybe not in the best context, but it wasn't like, I hate your guts kind of stuff. It was mm-hmm. more like, yeah, well, you want to know what I really think? Boom, here you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how we did conflict and disagreement. Mm-hmm. We were, we, yeah, we are disagreed. I was a disagreeable, um, interestingly enough, I would say I didn't really get into a lot of trouble as a kid. I think my mom would say I was an easy kid, but I think it was in comparison to my sister, who was very contrary and disagreeable just for the sake of it a lot of times as mm-hmm. a way of like, being herself Mm -hmm. and so I didn't do that so I was considered very agreeable but I still complained a lot and didn't want to do (laughs) things a lot um, and was felt comfortable doing that with my parents like that wasn't off limits so how did we handle conflict early in our marriage because we did come from different styles and I think for me I didn't realize how difficult that would be because of not feeling like I early on got to get all of you. Like mm-hmm. it was clear you were feeling things mm-hmm. whenever I would make decisions or do things. But when I would ask you about it, it was those wonderful four letter words, fine. Like mm-hmm. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're clearly not fine, but I don't know how to. I have to be fine. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to Since draw it out of you. Most of my life you're is not you have fine. to just be fine. Right. So what do, what do you remember about those early years just before we had kids in terms of how we disagreed? I'm trying to think of disagreements. I more remember conversations where you would bring up hard things to talk about that I was like, oh, like my family just doesn't talk about this stuff. <laughs> so, okay. That wasn't necessarily things we disagreed it. on, but like what kind of things are you thinking about? Well, I remember you talking about like periods and yeah, right. Like, like sex and yeah. bodily functions. Yes, and, and you're yeah. just, you seemed so comfortable just stepping into the conversation. Like, <laughs> I don't talk with anyone about this stuff. <laughs> like, only what I read in a book. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. This is for your brain only, not for like words between people. Well, I, do you remember any early arguments? Well, I, I remember one thing which I thought was good. So again, if you haven't heard other episodes of this, we talked before about being accommodators versus aggressors in terms of conflict or communication styles. So Sarah, you're clearly what we call an accommodator, and mm-hmm. I'm an aggressor, and and so. I looked for that because I felt like conflict was a way of intimacy and connection. And so mm-hmm. I remember one time, well, we, we, we both went to Liberty University and we were in the Walmart parking lot. We were first married and we were, we were disagreeing about something and I was just poking the bear. Like I was trying <laughs> to get a rise out of you and you finally did and you like yelled at me. Do you remember this? And I like <laughs> stopped and I just started clapping. I feel like we'd been married a year by that point. Yeah. I started like slow <laughs> clapping and you were like, what? You were like so mad. And I was like totally diffusing. I was just clapping and being like, you just yelled at me. <laughs> yes. Like yeah. finally. Um, yeah. I don't know if I'd ever yelled at anyone in my life. I know. And it felt so Except good. Except for to maybe me. my little sister when we were young. I, I think I, that mm-hmm. we probably fought. So that was like, for me, that was the beginning of this journey of like me really wanting to find ways to draw you into your own emotions and expressing those emotions so that I could feel connected to that. Because again, it didn't matter like growing up, anger, like the emotion was what I connected to, whether it was a positive emotion or a negative emotion. I wasn't threatened or felt unsafe in those environments where I felt like maybe you felt like those were unsafe things to express. Yeah. Was there like a fear that the relationships would end if you expressed those things or that you would get into trouble? What do you think was that root in those? Yeah, I think a little bit the relationship ending or coming across in a way that I didn't want to come across. like Being perceived in a way. Yeah, because I feel like the ways that I saw uh, disagreement, if it was emotional, like anger, I guess, especially, or sadness, the one who was more emotional seemed out of control. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't want to be that one. Right, right. The out of control person. Right. Yeah, I feel like the longer we've gone through this process, the more I've realized I'm a really, really emotional person. <laughs> I like lead with emotion and I've just stuffed it my whole life. Right. And mm-hmm. well, and g- let's go back because in the, we were talking about this the other day in our early marriage when we had conflict or disagreement because I like to argue. And I was pretty good at it. Mm. And I don't, emotion doesn't lead for me. Mm. And it was a revelation to me over the last few years, as you've talked about this more, that early on, you would just assume that I was right. So can you tell us a little more about your process in those moments? So we're arguing about something. It's clear you disagree, but I'm giving you the facts and I'm being more animated or more passionate about it. Like what's going on in your mind? Like, I think something I can think back to is, like, when we were talking about food choices, like, you would be, like, passionate about it when it's, like, something I cared more about, Mm -hmm. but I didn't feel like I had enough words to convince you or facts to convince you, and you would be, like, coming at me, and I would say a few things, and you'd come at me more, and I'd say a few more things. And all of a sudden, you would change your mind. I would feel so confused because there was all this big emotion behind what you were saying. And then all of a sudden, you just agreed with me. And I was like, what just happened? Like, I didn't match your emotion, and, and you all of a sudden agree with me? <laughs> like, Yeah, just- well, the, the for you, the emotion 
was attached to the position. Yeah. Where for me, the emotion was uh, not attached to the position. But it wasn't emotion for you. It was right. passion. Right. Yeah. It's just my you personality. You didn't seem out was... of control. You were just very sure of yourself. That's, right. I think that I've, mm. it's rare for me to feel that sure of myself in an argument. Right. Or to argue. But I can think of even recent things where someone would tell me something that I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's right. I'm thinking internally, but I could be wrong. I'm always very aware that mm-hmm. I always have space for doubt. Right. Almost always. But your doubt translates into like an emotional, uh, it, it translates emotionally into being smaller. Because for me, I always yeah, have those doubts. Right. But I'll say it with gusto. Yes. I, like, I'm like still... Like, if you're saying it with such gusto, you must be sure. Right. And that's not... Like, <laughs> that's the disconnect, I think, sometimes yeah. in our conversations. Like, no, yeah. I'm just saying it because I always am sure of yeah. what I'm... But I'm always open to being wrong. Yeah. It doesn't change. But it doesn't feel like you're open exactly. when you, to me when you have right. that much passion and sureness behind what you say yeah yeah. like for me you you express things in a like this is what i think right you made it clear that this is your opinion that you don't think it's fact until you were sure right so that was i I remember those those were yeah those were funny moments where we're arguing and then i just changed my mind because i think you're right like Mm -hmm. you convinced me (laughs) But your emotion is like this train that takes a lot to slow down. And mine is like not attached to what we're talking about. So immediately I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. Well, I've did, And then I'm like done. I've and described you're like, it as this like tornado. I feel like I'm in this tornado of your information and like passion. And then all of a sudden it just stops. I'm supposed to be able to move on peacefully. And it's like, wait, dude, like there's all this catastrophe that you just created in my feelings. <laughs> We have to work through this now. Like, it's not just this fact that I needed you to come to understand. Right, right. Well, again, yeah, I think that's a great point. It's all this rubble. It's that that disagreement is often just as much about the relationship as the issue. Yeah. And I was hyper-focused on the issue. Yeah. Because I was secure in the relationship. Right. For me, it was like, this is not a question of our relationship. This Mm -hmm. is just who's right about the kind of food we should eat and feed our kids. Mm -hmm. Like, that's it. And so if if I am convinced of that, everything else is fine. But for you, it had all these effects, like a rippling effect of what does this mean for our relationship? And I feel this way towards you now and it's emotions. And I was not good at detecting that. So I often felt confused about like, wait, why are you like weird toward me right now? Mm -hmm. Like, I thought we were just talking about this thing. And so, yeah, I think that's a really good point that every disagreement usually has baked into it these two components that aren't often separable. Yeah. You know, some people are better at separating them than mm-hmm. others, but it's not just the issue that we're talking about. It's the implications of us disagreeing about that in our relationship, yeah. in our emotional state. But I think the more practice I have with you of disagreeing, the more I feel that the way that you engage disagreement is healthier. Mm. <laughs> if it just, like... Assuming the relationship is good, I'm like, okay, yeah. And and that we can get our stuff out there. Passion, like, we can really get it out there. You don't have to tiptoe. You can just really express yourself and trust that the relationship is good. That feels so freeing, mm-hmm. I think, where most of my life it was like, you have to walk on eggshells when you talk about things because you might upset the relationship. 
Right. And then you're never fully expressing yourself because you never know if you might upset the relationship. You don't get to be fully you because you're afraid of the relationship, but the relationship isn't that authentic because you can't be fully you. Right. I want to go back to this idea because you've said it, and I think this is a, a growing edge for me of learning where you equated being emotional with being wrong. Like, I must be wrong because I'm emotional about this. Mm -hmm. Can you just say more about how you, maybe the evolution for you of how that used to be your thinking and where you're at now with that? Because I think that's really big for people who have been told, like, logic logic rules. And logic is the most important thing when we're discussing things. Well, that's what we're taught in school, right? Is like, that's what's valued is logic. So... I, th- I mean, this, I think, is still something I'm really having to work through. Because I, I know when we have discussions, if I'm getting emotional, you're even still validating. Like, just because you're emotional doesn't mean I'm more right than you. Mm-hmm. And but so, that's hard for you to hear. Like, you assume otherwise. Uh, it's not hard for me to hear. Just my instincts tell me otherwise. Right. So that's definitely something I'm still working mm-hmm. through. But I, I feel like I'm feeling more confident in it. But that's because you affirm it regularly. And mm. yeah, I, de- I definitely, I I think my instincts lead through emotion. Mm-hmm. And the more I learn to trust them, it's like, I'm I'm sad for a reason. I'm angry for a reason. I may not logically be able to say that right now, but it doesn't invalidate my feelings. And it doesn't invalidate the other points you're making about whatever the topic is at hand. Yeah. Like, it doesn't yeah. make you wrong about whatever it is we're talking about. Yeah. It's like, well, you can't just say, well, you're just being emotional. For me, to say you're mm. just being emotional is is a categorical mistake. Yeah. Because they're not the same category. I understood a lot as a kid. You're being, just being emotional is wrong. Right, right. So. So, I, I mean, I think that's really important for me, at least, to, to understand. Because I'm not that way, but I totally get it. You're you know? not um, emotional. I'm not in, in conversation. I'm yeah. not emotional. I don't yeah. get emotional. It but takes you longer to consider your emotional space, I think. Yeah, afterward, I often do. Or it takes me longer to consider the... To get a verbal, like, words to the emotion and intuition that are happening in me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do find that very frustrating because I think it's just dishonest to dismiss someone because they're being emotional and yeah. saying, you're just being emotional. Well, that has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about. Yeah. It might be harder to decipher what it is we're talking Are we talking about the relationship? Are we talking about emotions? Are we talking about the issue at hand and whether we're right or wrong about the facts? Those are all different conversations that, it, yeah, whenever there's emotion involved, it's harder to figure out what what's going on in the situation but it doesn't invalidate what people are saying because they're being emotional yeah well and for me i think i'm learning the emotion is a big part of my truth right and it's just hard for me to communicate about it because i've stuffed it for so long so it's taking a lot of practice to put words to it and to be able to acknowledge what the emotion is why it's there and work through it yeah and and again i don't want to go off on that tangent of like i feel like it comes to this deep-rooted privileging of the intellect yes. in our culture. And they, sure, if we're talking about, say, the things that we've talk, been talking about on this podcast, you know, the, the truth claims of progressive Christianity versus conservative Christianity or the, you know, vaccination or anti-vaccination, those are topics sometimes rooted in, like, science. And so it's important to have the facts. But we're, when we're talking about with a friend or a spouse or a friend, 
someone, I think it's just disingenuous and not giving the full scope of recognizing we aren't ever just talking about that. We're talking mm-hmm. about the impact on our lives and we're whole people. We're emotional people. We're spiritual people. Like we're relational people. We can't just divorce it. And what, that's what we've done is sort of divorced it and then privileged it, the, the facts. And then yeah. if you can't operate at that level, then you are less than or you're wrong. But I think people like you who bring more emotion to it are it's it's just helpful to realize like we're whole people in these conversations and those are just as important components for us to work through yeah well and i don't know i think all those issues you said bring up feelings exactly for me and to say exactly that you can't discuss the feeling feelings because it's feelings not facts in the book it's like we need to discuss both sides because that is part of being human. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. It's all these components together. And I feel like it is, it's actually just harmful for people who aren't, it just is, again, it just centers one mode of being in the world mm-hmm. without giving respect and honoring that we're, have multi, we're multifaceted. Yeah. And we need to bring all that into the conversation. And the people who bring those other facets aren't invalid and aren't less than, and it's mm-hmm. not less important yeah. to the conversation. All right, with that, let's talk about parenting. And how do we disagree or how do we go through those conflicts as parents? Now, I, I want to say up front, you and I don't really ever disagree in our parenting at a deep level, like a values level. We've never had one of those like, oh, my goodness, this is this chasm that we aren't going to be able to, to cross. But early on, I think we did disagree on some things that felt important at the time. Like we mentioned diet, like diet and health. Mm-hmm. were big things because your perspective, just again, our backgrounds and some of the things you were learning and, and how you were thinking through things was different than how I was raised. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, how did we fight about those things? I don't know. I just remember having long conversations and just what we've kind of already talked about is like I would state something that I felt and you would come back at me with your your opinion mm-hmm. and try again. <laughs> yeah (laughs) come back at me with Mm -hmm. strong opinions again and eventually you you, i feel like most of the time you you would agree with me and i i found that really frustrating (laughs) you did which is it was not i mean it was confounding to me of like after going back and forth and sparring for you know hours or days or weeks on these things eventually i'd come around to yours i almost generally agreed with you most of the time and then you would be frustrated about it like always winning (laughs) it's like I feel like something's not right here. Like you're just like giving me the win or I don't know. It like just placating you or something. Yeah. Right. But, but it was after lots of conversations. So, well, it's through those long conversations. I think there's a few things that come out for me. One, I feel like we were always respectful. I think that was really important. I know some couples when they fight or disagree, it devolves into things that get disrespectful. And I remember uh, John Gottman saying, of course, he's like a relationship couples guru, saying that after studying couples interactions for 40 years, the number one predictor of divorce was contempt, where you feel your partner is beneath you. um, So you don't take them seriously and you kind of interact with eye rolling or sarcasm, mocking, disrespect. So these are all like symptoms of treating someone with contempt. And I, I don't feel like we ever did that. I don't think either of us treat anyone really that yeah, way. Yeah, I don't think we, either of us treated each other that way. I felt that sometimes for myself. Mm, I felt... You felt contempt for yourself, you're saying? Yeah, like mm-hmm. less than mm-hmm. or like... Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. Some of the words you were saying was like, yeah, that's definitely how I felt in disagreements. And I, 
I think probably because I was wrestling so much with those feelings is Mm -hmm. why it would take so long because I couldn't just Mm -hmm. come back at you with the strength and assertiveness that you came at me with. Right. It was a slow process because I was working through the emotional side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I definitely think that for the most part we respected each other, but it doesn't mean it was easy. There was a lot of like hard emotions for me. Yeah, yeah. And again, I think coming back to, it sounds like for you, the starting place was your voice wasn't valuable. Yeah, I don't, I think with the food stuff, that was a little bit easier. I think the harder things was more when you were traveling. And Mm -hmm. even like our first year of marriage, like my work hours meant I was really tired by the afternoon and you'd be gone out with friends. And that was more where I feel like we'd have hard times. Yeah. Right, right. Coming to an agreement on something because I couldn't express how I felt let down. Right. And mm-hmm. I felt like I was wrong for feeling that. Right. That yeah. I just needed to buck up and mm-hmm. be stronger. I, I often felt like your feelings of guilt for yourself, like shame and guilt for how you were feeling, clouded how you communicated with me. Yeah. And it got real, it got confusing. Yeah, I wasn't just honest that hey I'm lonely I spend all day working by myself when I come home I'd really like to sit down and right. have dinner with you in a conversation you felt it seemed like you but felt guilty wanna... about that so you didn't say it right and so then right. I'm left to like figure like, it oh, out okay you want to go have fun with friends I guess I'm not important enough for you to stay home with and chat with because I'm too tired to go out and party with friends right well one other thing before we move to kind of how we do things as a family now was I think just reflecting back on, we wouldn't have said this then but I think reflecting Reflecting back on it, we created boundaries in good ways in certain areas. We like decided who would be the final authority in certain areas of our life. And of course, we were very collaborative. So again, this it came over time. Yeah. And it came with, again, like you said, hours and hours of processing together and conversation. So it wasn't ever Hard like emotional conversations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't ever like, oh, you just decide, leave me out of it. We always have been very, we kind of over process and yeah. talk about everything many times, which mm-hmm. I, I appreciate. But uh, so for instance, when it came to like health, and diet, we ultimately decided that you are kind of in charge. And so that helps me mm-hmm. because of my, I'm more of a black and white thinker, mm-hmm. interestingly enough. Um, my, my kind of DNA is I've had to learn how to be very okay with ambiguity. But so I could give my opinion and we could talk through it. You know, again, we did often for hours, but ultimately it helped me to realize I trust you and I want you to make that decision because mm-hmm. you have to live with, it was often a matter of like, well, who has to live with the consequences more? It's like, yeah. well, you're home with the kids a lot more than me. You're the one that has to feed them and prepare the food. And it's like, well, if the weight is on your shoulders, then you should be the one making the decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how you felt about that, but I felt that was really helpful over the years. Yeah. It, I just thought it was interesting that you're like very clear now that you're a black and white thinker. And I'm, I think that I operated that way and I'm actually a much more ambiguous yeah. person. I'm like, I don't know. It really depends on the situation and who you're talking to mm-hmm. as to how I think and feel about that. Right. What's all the context? Yeah. Then we can have a conversation. Yeah. I'm just a very structured yeah. thinker. Yeah. And I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I operated in that for so long. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway, that's a tangent. But. Yeah. Okay. So. What does conflict look like now as a family? Like, how do we do this now that we, we have four kids? They are, at the time of this, they are 13, 12, 10, and 7. Mm. So, how do we do conflict now? 
so I asked my kids about this. A couple of my kids were there last night. It's like asking them how they feel about the space that even I provide for them to disagree. Mm-hmm. With us. With us, yeah. yeah. After thinking about it, my 12-year-old was like, yeah, like I feel like you give us space to talk about things if we don't like it for the most part. And my 7 year was like, no, never. You never let me disagree. Like, yeah, I know. It's just the place where we're at with you right now because you just disagree with everything. <laughs> and we're like responsible for everything for you. You're not really responsible for much of your life yet. Mm-hmm. Where the 12-year-old, our 13-year-old are very responsible for a lot of things that they do in the day. So, Yeah, I feel like we have evolved based on development with, with our kids. Definitely. So as they get older, and I think we were pretty intentional about that. We, I remember talking about it when they were younger, that what, what we wanted to do was as they've gotten older with you know the Uncle Ben uh, model of parenting, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. And it's like you have more responsibility and you have more freedom. Those go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. As you get older. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you get more responsible, you get more freedom. And that includes having conversation. We're going to treat you like a reasonable adult or a reasonable, you know, adult on the way. Yeah. To make your own decisions. And we'll say, and then, of course, there's some boundaries around that. But I'm thinking even though yeah. we have pretty strict guidelines with screens and like video games. So we only get video games out like our Xbox or whatever out from winter solstice to spring equinox. Mm-hmm. So they have winter to play video games. And then for spring and fall, they have some other, you know, less restrictions. And then the summer, we put them all away. And for the spring and fall, because they're a little ambiguous, I remember you kind of saying, well, hey, I don't want to dictate this for you guys. Like winter is one thing. Summer is one thing. Those Mm -hmm. seem to be pretty clear. Like put away screens in the summer, have the video games out in the winter. Spring and fall... We're, like, let's talk about it. Yeah. What do you feel like is good? And we had lots of discussions and sometimes we go back because we come to a conclusion it turns out it's not as good of a solution as we thought it would be. Well, and I feel like it, sometimes it's week to week. It's like, guys, like you were on screens all weekend. Just just don't ask me this week. Do other things. <laughs> right. So how do you how do you think about those? Like what what underlies how you parent in those situations? I think the biggest thing recently has actually been like figuring out how we want to live with our seven-year-old because he feels like he's in such a different space of life than the other three. And so we've been ha- we've had several conversations with the older ones that the young the youngest wasn't part of because you and I, especially me, are in a different place of life. When the other three were little, we went to the park several days a week. We had a regular routine of like breakfast, play outside, snack. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It was more structured days. Yeah. And it was built and it around like young spe- kids' activities. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't specific times of day, but it was a general rhythm every day that they could kind of count on. We had a quiet time every day, even on weekends. And we don't do that. We haven't done that for a couple of years. And I think that's hard for our seven-year-old. Not that he expresses that, but I think it creates some peace for them when they know what to expect. I know I'm just not willing to even do homeschool the way I was with him. So anyway, it was like we've had a few conversations with the older kids of like, hey, like, what are some things you guys remember from when you were little that you think might be good ideas to try to incorporate more of? How can you guys participate more in his life in a positive way? I don't I don't like figuring it all out Mm -hmm. and instituting rules for our family. 
I don't, I, I, I really don't like that. <laughs> I want to make sure everyone's on board and feels good about it. And like, I even asked the kid, the older ones, I was like, how do you feel like things are going right now? Even with their school stuff, I'll bring up like, if they seem stressed, I'm like, it, it seems like you're stressed about this. Like, what can we do? I don't want it to be like, a hard and fast rule that they have to do these things just because this is what we set up at the beginning of the year. Right. So I, you're adaptable at throughout whatever it is. The structures yeah. are always adaptable. Yeah. Because the yeah. point is to help us thrive. Right. All right. of us. So. And I think that's a great kind of guiding principle for a lot. It's like, you know, it reminds me of, of Jesus's words of like the the Sabbath is for man, not man for the Sabbath. Of mm-hmm. like the structure is to support your growth and flourishing, not for you to shrink down so that you can support a structure. Yeah. So we need structures because they give us that sense of safety and stability and yeah. progress. But when they're not serving their purpose, we adapt and we yeah. change. And I think that's kind of a principle we have at our house about everything. Really. Yeah, like we just changed our seven-year-old. Like we've normally said, when you're 10, you can start saying, staying up until nine, but it wasn't working well with our mm-hmm. seven-year-old. He was, there was just a lot of issues happening around that. So I, we had a conversation with our older kids about it and we came up with a new idea that seems to be working. I feel like there's a little bit, there's less tension for everybody mm-hmm. around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's a. It feels like there's actually a little bit more structure for our seven year old. Right, um, and it's a win win because yeah. now he gets to get to go to bed earlier. I mean, later, later. with the other kids, he doesn't mm-hmm. feel left out. Yeah, but it gives a little break during the day. Yeah, that again, it's an area as a seven year old he may not know he needs that break, but yeah. it actually ends up being good for him. Yeah, and so by giving him the later bedtime, it's like a negotiation of here's what everybody needs. Yeah, it's kind of that common good approach of like, well, what do you need? What do you need? Can we think creatively mm-hmm. about a solution? It's not about rules it's about solutions to challenges that are keeping us from flourishing yeah well and when new challenges come up it's like oh what how can we address this it's not that we're always changing rules but it's figuring out yeah how how to create some padding around Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. just make it feel better for everybody well, and I think, too, there's something for me. I don't know if this is for you because this is how my brain works. But I also think it's really important that our kids understand when they disagree. I want them to understand where we're coming from and why we're saying what we're saying. Even if it feels over their head at the time, Yeah, I'm going to over explain because I don't want it to be like with you. It seemed like this deferment to authority because they were older. It's yeah. like, no, I want you to understand we want you to win. Mm-hmm. This is how we think you're going to win. And when you're seven, we're mostly always going to be the deciders in this. But when you're 13, if you can, like, we, well, we have this conversation. Well, because we feel like you don't make good decisions for yourself to flourish as a seven-year-old. Exactly. exactly. Like, if he was in charge, he would just eat candy all day and stay up as late as he wanted. <laughs> yeah. And he would have yeah. red rings around his eyes all the time. Like, mm-hmm. it's obvious he's making bad choices. <laughs> yeah. But the 13-year-old, we trust. Oh, yeah. A lot. Makes- and so if things aren't going well for him, we know, like, there's things that just need to change structure. Yeah. And I feel like the things that we have to push back on our 13 year old are like, dude, you just got to chill out. You need to do less schoolwork this week. You need to like. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, with each kid. Hey, can you stand up for yourself for once instead of just doing what everybody else There's not hard and fast rules of how we engage or disagree with our kids because it really depends on each child. Yeah. Yeah. So the oldest, we encourage more disagreement of like, have more conflict in your life. Like stand up. What do you want? Our second is even more Mm -hmm. averse, I think think to expressing his own opinions and that mm-hmm. is something that I've yeah that's hard 
It takes practice. <laughs> and I'm hoping mm -hmm. that we can help them practice it as kids so that they don't feel stunted. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, our, our daughter has no trouble yes. expressing her opinion. Yes. And I, I'm actually really thankful. And I'm learning that when she expresses a strong opinion, and if I'm not okay with it, I can say no, and she's going to be mad at me. But usually she's not in five minutes. Mm -hmm. I'm learning just to trust that. Like I don't have, just because she blows up because she's mad doesn't mean that I made a bad decision mm -hmm. as a parent. Or that your relationship is adversely affected. Right, right. So because like, yeah. we just had an example of it this week with her and I was really thankful for the decision we made and stuck by it because the day just felt so much better. And mm -hmm. just being like, you really have to be, I really have to be considerate of each of their personalities and mm -hmm. what they need. Like I'm learning with my, my seven-year-old that he can have a fight and want to hug you right away. Like you can be like in the middle of it and he wants a hug where I am very averse to that. If I'm mad at you. You don't want to be touched. And you want me to hug you. Like that makes me crazy. Like I, I'm very, I like physical affection, but. Not when you're feeling those feelings. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> Oh, so I want to go back to one more thing before we wrap up here, because I think it's important. I just thought of it is the importance for us as parents to be so conscious and self-aware of our own baggage and triggers yeah. when we're in disagreements. Because just thinking of how our kids are so individual, we often talk about like you and our oldest have a much harder time disagreeing in healthy ways. And mm -hmm. me and our second have a lot harder time disagreeing in healthy ways. With each other. With like, each other. Yes. Like you and, your yeah. old, you and our oldest yeah. don't do conflict as well yeah. as you do with everyone else. And mm -hmm. me and our second, we don't do conflict mm -hmm. as well. And we've learned, because you and I can speak into each other's life, of like, well, it's probably because they're mirroring for you the things you don't like about yourself. Mm -hmm. And you just, whoosh, it's almost like this yeah. protective instinct that, gets distorted yeah. and it ends up creating Like you have distance. to fix them right now. Yeah, because of, of your own baggage. Yeah. Like there's a healthy part of that with me and our second yeah. where I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand. It's just because I love you so much. I don't want you to turn out. I don't want you to do the things that I did. But because it's my own baggage, it comes out in a kind of shamey way. It really way. builds up such a wall mm -hmm. between. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So So I appreciate that you and I can lean on each other. Yeah, sometimes gently. we just have to tag team with those ones. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. hey, I'm really failing in this one. <laughs> yeah. Can you take a shot? Like and I feel like each of those kids is kind of learning mm -hmm. and that yeah, sometimes it's just I, I feel like and sometimes when I'm arguing with that my one son, it's kind of like I'm sorry, dude. I know we don't do this well. Like, maybe we need to bring dad, dad in on this one. Yeah. And yeah. I want to be able to, and I feel like sometimes we get better at it. But there's also that habit. Mm -hmm. that yeah, you fall into those patterns. You both realize and you just get so frustrated with the habit. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. But I think it's both and. It's a parallel where I feel like, like for me, I want to work on my relationship with him. Right. But I know those moments aren't necessarily the time to do that. Yeah. And so then it's sort of calling an audible and being like, yeah, why don't you talk to mom about this? Like, mm -hmm. I think this is going in a direction where we're just going to get mad at each other. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be fruitful. Where you could have a conversation with mom in five minutes and you'd have it solved. Like, yeah. why go through that? Mm -hmm. And then let's go out some other time or sit down and have a conversation about how to work on our When you're both calm right. and you're like, hey, this just doesn't go well for us. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I know I'm a parent in this relationship and I suck at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I think owning our own insecurities and just doing that yeah. deep kind of self-awareness. Like, I, I don't know if we would have realized that except for you and I being able to speak into it because you and I are so different 
I think it becomes clear for us where I'm like, you know, like he's just like you. Like, and yeah. when you get mad, it's like you're getting mad at yourself. Mm-hmm. And you do the same with me. I'm like, oh, that didn't feel good to hear, but you're 100% right. And I, I think being able to apologize too, it, to our kids. Oh, yeah. That's really hard for me, surprisingly. I get frustrated with myself that it's like, why can't I just apologize? But it's something that my older sister said early on that I valued so much as like, let the apology be an apology not a like i'm sorry but mm-hmm. but i'm sorry yeah. as a parent like she up. did that with her kids and told you yeah. And, yeah 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 she would she would just apologize for her behavior not blame it on the kid like i'm sorry i yelled at you but you deserved it like yeah no, I'm or, sorry. Or a lesson. I'm sorry I yelled at you, but you really do need to X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Like, it's not lesson time. It's just yeah. apology time. Like Kind of going back to what we said before, it's not about the thing. It's mm-hmm. about the relationship. Yeah. So apologize for how you damage the relationship. Then we can talk about the lessons that need to be learned and all the practical stuff. Another time. And we, st- and we can still then. I feel like I've learned to say, like, I'm sorry I yelled. What can we do better next time? This isn't working. What can I, what, how can I engage with you better? Or what mm-hmm. do you need? Or <laughs> and they don't always know, and I get that. I don't right. always know either. Right, but it, but <laughs> even then, it's even ending with the conversation of them knowing that you care. Yeah, and that you want to support them in finding out what they need. Well, and I know for myself, it's not always ending the conversation. It's coming back later because I'm not great at apologizing in the moment because I'm just mad, and I know I'm not sorry right then. <laughs> It's just terrible. It's, like, it's not terrible. No judgments. No judgments. No. <laughs> but it's like, oh, I really need to go apologize to them. Mm-hmm. And I think I go through the same cycle, but mine's about mine takes about ten seconds. Right. Like I, I go through all those emotions in about ten seconds, and then I'm like, I okay, know. I'm ready to apologize now. Yeah. So. I'm jealous of that sometimes. <laughs> My emotions take longer. Yeah, you simmer. But for I do a while. realize sometimes that. Just taking that step of apologizing sometimes helps the emotion fizzle out. Right. Sometimes you can not fake Even it till you I make don't. it, but it's like take the action yeah. and do the practice. And then sometimes our emotions will follow. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can say I'm sorry and not mean it. And then 10 seconds later, you're like, no, I really do mean it. Like, yeah. It helps Especially trigger Especially when that. you feel them, like when you apologize and you feel their energy kind of dissipate, like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> their walls go down. and mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's important to apologize, but I also think it's important to make sure it's genuine because mm-hmm. I'm good. I feel like I'm good at apologizing. Um, and one that's one of the things that I always want to make sure before is like, I don't want to overuse it. I do apologize a lot because I mess up a lot. Yeah. But every time I do a self-check of like, oh, I really mean it. I like I have intentions to change my behavior in the future. This is how I know I could do it better. And I just need to make amends. Yeah, I think the genuine side is important. And also when they're ready to hear it, because mm-hmm. sometimes... Uh, Especially with our older two, I do feel like their emotion takes longer to blow off. and We don't want to force reconciliation. Right. Because that feels like a violation of their autonomy. Yes. Like, you have to kiss and yeah. make up right now. It's like, well, I'm not ready to. I well, experienced then that a lot as a kid. And that it doesn't end up, like, actually feeling like you've reconciled and moved on. It's just, like, you've kind of brushed it aside and moved on. Well, you're teaching yourself to repress your emotions. It's yeah. like, okay, well, I guess I can't feel these things anymore. Like, I just have to move on. Or, like, I don't know. I guess it's, like, like I've talked about with one of our sons. It's like... It's fine to need to take space when you're upset. Just just say, hey, I need time to myself. Then when you come back, we need to talk about it. We can't just let it go. 
Yeah, time isn't forever. We're just not going to talk about it again. It's for a time. Yeah, so that we can talk about what happened Mm -hmm. and why you were upset or why I was upset. And then we can figure it out so that we can do it better next time. Mm -hmm. We can't just like have you enter back into family life and pretend nothing happened Mm -hmm. because that doesn't help us grow. Right. And it doesn't resolve the relationship. Yeah. 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 Excellent. All right. Well, is there anything else as parents who are trying to raise kids to maybe disagree better? You coming from the accommodator side and what you experienced as a kid versus what you do now with our kids. Like, are there any other lessons that you've learned that you could maybe pass on to people? I just really, the more, I think like I said it before, just that being an accommodator is not helpful. And I really appreciated having you as a partner who can hear my opinion even if it takes me a little longer than you and you actually appreciate when I bring some fire behind it it doesn't scare you away and I think the more I can step into that the less yours scares me away and I I do feel like it's a helpful thing for relationships mm-hmm. accommodating I I think just stuffs a lot of stuff ultimately I don't feel like it's fruitful for a relationship to accommodate mm-hmm. each other there there is a point where you accommodate right it's like when you accept like oh this was when we can have conversations and you're like oh yeah that's how i am i'm sorry and i don't know if i can change that it's such a core part of myself and that's when we mm-hmm. as partners it's like there's so much we value about each other that we're like oh yeah i'm so much better at that like we're talking about with our two sons it's like we accommodate each other in that mm-hmm. because and it doesn't mean that we're not trying to work on it right but we also just recognize like it might be a long time before we get there or maybe we won't ever get to where we really want to be mm-hmm. and that's where it's nice to have other people to lean on and right Right. That's where accommodation comes in. But you're not hiding it. Right. It's bringing it to the forefront, being honest about your weaknesses mm-hmm. and and even your strengths of like, well, this is who I am. This is what I'm good at. This is what you're good at. How can we like? Yeah. 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 I think there's a difference between making room for other people's needs and hiding ours. Mm-hmm. Like those are different things. Yeah. And we want to make room for other people's needs, but we don't want to have to do that in a way that we have to hide our needs. Yeah. And we want to, and I think helping our kids become aware of what their needs are by saying them. It's like, hey, I think this is a need that you have beyond like food and shelter. It's like, I think this is something you really need in your life. And it's important for you to acknowledge that so that you can get that need met and then you feel better. Mm -hmm. Right, which is good for everyone. Right. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't mean something's wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just self-awareness. Right, right. Well, and I would say my kind of parting words for someone who's an aggressor and married to an accommodator is just the importance of recognizing that that dynamic and trying to i think one thing for me was i was working toward my passion because i bring that to kind of everything and not having that feel antagonistic towards you to redirect it and have it come behind you as a support yeah it's like i'm on your team here like how can i help you get your feelings yeah i think even that verbal affirmation when you're like hey i'm on your team even though like sometimes i still wouldn't feel it Mm -hmm. but just that reminder like I really am on your team. I'm. Br- I know I'm bringing a lot of uh, passion into this. Right. Yeah. As just a reminder that you're on the same team. But right. even right. though sometimes it felt 
feels pandering. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, again, for me, it comes back to I'm good at compartmentalizing. And it's I saying, know. like, we might disagree on this issue, but emotionally and relationally, this is so small mm-hmm. compared to the bigger thing where I know, like, a thing you're working on is to be able to interact with people and bring your full self. Yeah. I'm fully on board with that. Mm-hmm. And this is a great time for us to practice that, even though we disagree on the issue. So it's, it is confusing because it's like we're antagonistic maybe on the issue. But for me, I feel like it's part of my job to say, but we're on the same team yeah. in terms of and I know I you want patience, me to grow and vice versa. Patience with each other because I know you can say that mm-hmm. and I can hear it, but I don't compartmentalize right. my right. feelings and my like, yeah. I'm not feeling that teamness because of how we're interacting. Right. So I have to remind myself that. Or sometimes I have to step away from right. the conversation until I can believe that again. Yeah. But because my emotions mm-hmm. are, have like, I've worked through the emotion and feel more clear about why I was feeling that way. Which was something I had to learn, which is patience. Yeah. Because I'm someone who just wants to like. Just plow through the uh, Yep. Plow, issue. plow, just plow. And then. We will, we will hands to the plow until this is completely resolved and we feel really good about it. Yeah. And just realizing that that did not always, that almost never works with you because but you I need space. But I feel like I, my, my process is speeding up. Yeah. Because right. lately that's been our conversation is like, well, I thought you needed space. I'm like, no, like I, I want to talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. thought you didn't because yeah. you're leaving me alone and you, you never used to leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. So once <laughs> I finally <laughs> learned to leave you alone, now like you're changing and it's like, wait, you're just shutting down. I'm like, no, I'm not oh. shutting down. I thought you needed space. So we're always, I mean, I think it's a great way to end because it's also realizing we are always evolving yes. and changing and we just have to be aware of that and not resent each other for that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. I finally get used to like giving you space and now you don't need as much space. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, that's life. We have to I'm change so again. <laughs> no apologies. We have to change again. Like right. that's life. And yeah. so if you don't, so if you're someone like me who doesn't like change, like sorry for being like you're human like sorry that you got thrown into being human but that's just how it goes (laughs) and you have many other living beings around you (laughs) right or changing changing. yeah excellent well thank you so much for jumping on and uh, I think it's going to be helpful for a lot of people Thanks for taking time to listen to this episode. If you haven't already, please pick up a copy of the book, Love Matters More, How Fighting to Be Right Keeps Us from Loving Like Jesus. And if you like it, rate and review it where you can online. If you don't, keep that to yourself. I don't need anyone else to speak the truth and love to me about the book. Thanks so much.